what the Bible presents as common Christian experience. A common Christian experience is that we serve an active God and He listens to our prayers. He engages on our behalf. He sometimes intervenes in wonderful ways and sometimes we don't share those stories with other people. So that's why we're injecting this little time in in our services so people can hear that God is answering prayer and and God is working and He's active and, and He wants you to ask for Him to come to Him and ask Him for these kinds of things. So with that we give God praise and we're going to turn to the message this morning and if you happen to have um, your Bible with you then I'm going to be preaching from 1 Kings chapter 18. It's a familiar story. I believe the children were in that story last Wednesday night and I didn't realize that when I picked that but when I uh, came home and my wife shared with me some of the things from the children's story and I said oh wow that's what I'm gonna I've decided to preach on this coming Sunday when it comes to prayer and preparing our hearts for our day of prayer and fasting which will be begin Tuesday night and run from Tuesday night at 7 until Wednesday night, the concluding of our normal times for for Wednesday night. So let me pray. Oh God, we want to hear from you. We, We don't want it to be silent. We don't want our hearts to be indifferent. We don't want to go through life believing that you are distant or even worse, non-existent. And we don't believe that, God. But we also have weak faith, and we need to see regular, tangible, sometimes even shocking manifestations of your power because that's what your book tells us to look for. And we're looking today, God. We're waiting upon you. We're asking you. Oh, Lord, how many of us here have something, an area of our life, a difficulty we're going through, a request, a concern, a burden, a mission? And we need you to guide us and lead us and hear our prayers. Encourage us today, God. Our nation desperately needs for Christians to pray. Our nation needs our prayers. Stir our hearts, O God. We are lazy and indifferent and we doubt. We're often skeptical. We hear stories and we think, oh, that's just a coincidence. Forgive us, God. Open our eyes and open our mouths to declare your praises. Come into this room. And stir our hearts deeply and motivate us to action. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to read this passage. It's, it's a little bit long, but it's the Word of God. So hopefully you'll find it engaging. In 1 Kings chapter 18, it's the story of a prophet of God named Elijah and a wicked king named Ahab. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, that is the third year of Ahab, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab 
and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine, that was because there was no rain, was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was a prophet, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel, that's Ahab's wife, cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. So the two prophets of God, by divine appointment, came into contact with one another. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go and tell your Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, and when he, he basically the prophet Elijah was telling the prophet Obadiah to go tell wicked Ahab that the Lord has a message. And he didn't want to go stand before wicked Ahab. He said, How have I sinned? that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill him. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord is not sent to seek you. And they would say, he is not here. And he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that had not found you. And now say, go to your Lord. Behold, uh, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab he cannot find you, he will kill me. If he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So Obadiah was scared that Ahab would kill him when he told him that Elijah was coming to see him and had a message for him. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? It's interesting that the pagan king of Israel calls the prophet of God, you troubler of Israel. He who was the troubler of Israel, Ahab, seems to think that Elijah, the man of God, is the troubler of Israel. Does it sound like the day we live in? Do not those in power look at Christians as you, troubler of America? 
You Christian people, oh, it's you, you Christian, you troubler of America. Christians are causing the problem. Christians are standing up for what they believe in. Christians won't let us do our thing. Christians are a threat to our country. And Ahab saw Elijah, is it you, troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Oh goody, we're going to have a contest. 850 to 1. Who's going to go with the 850? Everybody. Who's going to go with the one? Believers. So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even only I, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So Elijah felt alone. Do you sometimes? But folks, you're not alone. God has many people. And God is raising up many people in our day. And by the way, even if you were alone... I think it was one, Martin Luther that at least has been credited as saying one man in God is a majority. And that's the way a, a prophet Elijah said, I, only I. He wasn't alone, but he thought he was, but he's still even thinking he was. He'd rather be on the Lord's side than with 850. How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He called him to pick. And that's what God says to us. You pick. Quit limping between two opinions. Quit waiting. I'll do this. I'll go left. I'll stick my finger in the air to see how the, the wind is blowing. See how things go before I take a stand on some of these issues. I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want people to think I'm mean-spirited. I don't want to be radical right. I don't want to be follower of Jesus. I don't want to be told I'm unkind and unloving. I want to be pluralistic. I want everyone to get along. I want everyone to be happy. Quit limping between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Pick this day whom you will serve, said Joshua. And you call upon the Lord of your God. He said, let two bulls be given. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. You call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. It sounded like a pretty fair contest. 850 pleading to their God, one pleading to his God. It is well spoken, Elijah said. 
and the prophets of Baal. Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Call upon the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning till noon. Hours of calling out, hours of pleading, hours of crying out, hours, a loud chorus of a large number of people calling out to their false gods, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, crying, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. He's like, your God is on the potty. That's what he said. Either he's not listening or he's taking a break. He's pulled off into the rest area. He's in the porta john. Elijah mocks them. Oh, Baal, they cried, answer us. But there was no voice. And they cried aloud and started cutting themselves. After their custom with swords and lances and the blood gushed out upon them, they wanted to show God how serious they were, so they cut themselves and start bleeding. At middays past, the rave, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all those people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with these stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and put the bull in, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and he said fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood not four jars of gasoline to ignite the fire four jars of water which puts out fire and he said do it a second time and they did it a second time do it a third time and they did it a third time and water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water and at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, and he stops and he looks up to God, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Wow. What a boring book the Bible is. You ever heard people say that? Oh, the book's boring. Why would I pick up my Bible and read? 
I'm talking about a movie to be made. And the Bible is amazing. And we are studying spiritual gifts. We're in a series on spiritual gifts. And I thought, Lord God, probably should part from our, our um, spiritual gift study. We've got a day of prayer and fasting coming, so maybe I should detour from our spiritual gifts and talk about prayer. And then I thought, well, okay, okay, well, just so I know where we're at, let me go back to our study on spiritual gifts to figure out where we are. We did eight, so we're at I. Intercession. The gift of prayer. The Lord says, no need to stop your study. Talk about the gift of intercession. And it suddenly dawned on me. I did not see when we planned, when the elders got together and we picked this day. I had no way of predicting where it would be and land on our day of prayer being the Sunday right before we talk about the spiritual gift of prayer. Who would have thought? And if you know how I plan, you would have known there's no way I would have known. Some people have their sermons set up for the next two years. Really, there are people. I know people that study, and they're studying six months out, a year out, two years out. I've never done anything like that. I'm like two days out sometimes. It's like, Lord, I just want to walk with you and listen to you and be sensitive to you. And sometimes I have it scheduled out a little bit. But many times I have it scheduled out and I still don't know what's converging in the hand and purposes of God. I don't feel like it's a mistake. I feel like it's a bullseye. And so... I want to talk a little bit for just a moment longer about Elijah, the troubler of Israel. And I want to declare that Elijah was a man with the gift of prayer. If you'll look in James chapter 5, we are told to pray like the gifted man of prayer, Elijah. In James chapter 5, it talks about a series of things in which prayer is desperately needed. In James chapter 5, 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, and you may be healed. And Elijah is presented as a man gifted in the school of prophecy, but also in the gifted in the school of prayer. The prayer of a righteous man has power as it is working. The prayers of a righteous man has power. The prayers of a righteous woman has power. There's power in prayer. There's power when a righteous man prays. There's prayer when a righteous woman prays. There's prayer when a righteous kid 
praise. When someone prays, it has great power. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was made of the same substance, the same stuff we're made of. And he prayed and amazing things happened. Elijah was with a man with a nature like your nature. He had a human nature and a sin nature. And by his salvation, he had a redeemed nature. He had a sin nature and a new nature. By George, that's what I've got. And most of the people in this room have a sin nature and a new nature. We have an old nature and a new nature. Most of the people in this room have a natural inclination toward sin and satisfying their flesh. But we also have a new nature that loves the things of God and believes in God and reaches for God. So my old nature, I surrendered that to God. It still pops his ugly head. How about with you? But I have a new nature with Christ dwelling in me to help me tap into what is called the prayer that has great power. I have available to me a man with my old nature the same resource and power that Elijah had because me, my sin nature, now has surrendered to my new nature, and that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by aligning myself with Jesus, I have access to the throne of God. And just in case you don't remember who God is, I have access to God, the all-powerful creator, the king, the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, the one who speaks the world into existence, the one who sends out his Holy Spirit, the one whose breath and might and power, the one whom Satan trembles before by my old nature dying at the cross with Jesus when I believed in Jesus. I have a new nature which gives me access to the power of God. This is miracle stuff. How can I have access to power like that? Through Jesus. We are now holy intercessors. And I want you to look at Romans 8. And there you see most people, too many people only know part of Romans 8. Too many people say, my favorite Bible in the verse is Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are good or who are called according to His purpose. And too many people love that text, which you ought to love at text, but do not equally love the first part of the chapter, which talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Folks, you can't love Romans 8, 28 if you don't love Romans 8, 9 through 12. In 9 it says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Romans 8, 8 says, Those who are in the flesh can't please God. Well, praise be to God. I'm not all flesh anymore. I am flesh, but my flesh is going to die, and I've given that fleshly passion over to the Lord, and I'm now flesh and spirit. But it's the spirit which I long for even in my flesh. You are not in the flesh, at least categorically anymore, but in the spirit. In fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Do you know what the words in fact mean? In fact. Well, let me tell you the facts. Uh, tell me the truth. Fact means truth. In truth. Spirit of God dwells in you. If you are a believer and you are converted, some people are going to testify to the conversion at the river down there. And you know what they're saying? The Spirit of God is in me and He has raised me from the dead and He lives in me and He not only lives in me, He desires to fill me, to fill me up on a regular basis. The Spirit of God dwells in you and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about this. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. We celebrate the resurrection, but did you also know we participate in the resurrection. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then it says, He will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. There is power, wonder-working power in the blood. We are holy intercessors. We're like Elijah. Elijah did not have the power. I'll tell you, folks, I would be excited to invite Elijah to our prayer meeting, but I'd rather invite God. It's not Elijah that comes. Elijah brings with him Jesus and the power of God. It's not who we are, it's who we bring. It's not who we are at the prayer meeting, it's who we bring to the prayer meeting. It's not which one of us comes to the prayer time, it's who comes with us. It's who comes with us. How is this possible? How is it possible Will we come to the prayer meeting and forget Jesus? God forbid. God forbid. We can say prayers. You can say prayers in the flesh, but you can't pray in the flesh. Prayer is a spiritual activity. It is a spiritual activity. You can memorize prayers. You can pull out your book of common prayer. You can say prayers. You can quote scripture. You can do Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. You can do it before ball games, after ball games, through the ball games. You do it on your way to the hospital, at the hospital. 
You can pray the prayer of St. Francis and whoever else you want to pray. You can say prayers, but you ain't praying until the Spirit is working in your soul, communing with the living God. Prayer is a spiritual activity. And if you've tried to pray without the Spirit, pity you. Nothing happens. But if you pray in the Spirit, then God will come. God will come. In Hebrews chapter 4, we are told how it works. Well, how does it work, someone might say. How does it work? I love, don't you love when kids ask the best questions? They don't take your word for it. They say, how does that work? How can little Jesus live in me? How can Jesus, how can Jesus, Jesus must have big ears. He can hear me all the way from heaven. He's like, how can Jesus hear? And little kids ask questions that big kids ought to ask. How is it possible? And in Hebrews, it tells us Hebrews is the New Testament equivalent of Leviticus. Hebrews is about the the altar of God and how we make our way into the presence of God. Hebrews tells us how prayer works. In chapter 4 it says, we have a great high priest. His name's not Aaron, his name is Jesus. We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession with our weaknesses. He was able to sympathize. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we without sin. Yet with him we have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. On the last two Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the throne of grace. What a great place. What a place to go. What a place. It's a real place. It's not an imaginary place. You can't see it, but it's a real place. It's real. There is a throne of grace. There is a place where you may go to seek mercy and grace. And it's a throne. It's the throne and Jesus sits upon that throne. You can go to him. And Jesus wants us to pray. And when Jesus was on earth, he knew how to pray to the throne of grace. In chapter 5, verse 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience though through what he suffered. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to learn how to pray like Jesus, you're going to have to suffer some. And you're going to have to learn to cry. And you're not going to have to give up. You're going to have to persevere. And you can't give up just because it's hard or just because you're sleepy. Jesus prayed for us when his disciples were sleeping. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't take a nap that night? Aren't you glad that Jesus prayed his way to the cross? Jesus prayed his way. He gave blood in prayer before he gave blood on the cross. Did you realize that? Jesus gave his blood as an intercessor before he did as a sacrifice. Is that not amazing? The blood of Jesus prayed for you before the blood of Jesus saved you. Beautiful. And praying people are often suffering people. Why do you suffer, some people say. Why must I suffer, O God, so that you can learn to pray, so that you can learn to have faith to pray. Suffering leads to sanctification. Sanctification leads to faith in God, and faith in God on your knees is a powerful weapon. 
Holy war is what it's called. Holy war. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Putting on the armor of God. Dressing up. Getting ready to do battle. Learning to tighten that belt of truth around your waist. And, and trusting in the, that shield of righteousness. And that blessed prate, blessed prate around your heart is the righteousness of Jesus. And in your head is a helmet of salvation. And the knowledge of what Christ has done with you. And learning to wield the sword of the Spirit. And you become a mighty warrior you're in the hand of God and folks this isn't time for little plastic soldiers this is a day for holy warriors and if you don't do war in prayer then you really don't know much about the battle and you say I struggle in prayer I say I do too I struggle with prayer. I'm much better at reading my Bible every day than finding my way to the throne of grace every day. I like to read the Bible. Prayer is hard work. I don't always like prayer. And sometimes I pray and I don't feel like I'm getting rewarded very much. And I I get up and I'm like those sleepy disciples. And I go about my business thinking, well, maybe my business, my activity will get things done. I get up off my knees where things get done and I get on my feet and I try to do God's work for him. I get off my knees. I'm tired of praying, so I quit praying and I go to working. I need to be working on my knees so that when I get to my feet, I'm working in partnership with God. That's what I got to do. I got to trade out my mindset. I'm an American. My mind says you work hard, you get results. And Jesus said, well, if you want to work hard, then work over here with me in prayer. Work before you go, and then I'll go with you. See the difference? Work before you go, then we'll go. But if you don't work with me, then you go without me. You see the difference? You understand what a day of prayer and fasting is. A day of prayer and fasting is as a Lord God, I love me some food. I love me some food. But I can put it aside because I love me some Jesus more. I'm going to have to set aside some things that I love for someone I know I ought to love more. I'm going to ask him to stir holy appetite. In the next several days, I'm asking God to stir a holy appetite among the people of God for something better than steak and better than chocolate. And that's sweet Jesus. Give me an appetite for sweet Jesus. I'm going to give up my food of the world for the food and the manna from heaven. I'm going to trade out bread for bread, the bread of this world for the bread of life. And I believe God will reward that. He will say, if you will seek me, I will come to your gathering. But if you're here for you, then it will be a short-lived party. You may get loud and rowdy at church. And some churches can get loud and rowdy, but Jesus doesn't come just because... Just because it's loud and rowdy doesn't mean Jesus came. It just takes a great band and an effective communicator, and you can draw an enormous church. If you have great music and an exciting speaker, 
you can have a big mega church. But Jesus isn't interested in mega church. Jesus is interested in people who want to be with him. Big difference, okay? So, wow, how, how do we go from here to Tuesday? Tuesday at 7. Again, if you can't come, that's fine. But if you can come somewhere, here's what we're going to do that night. We're going to pray, and we have some segments of time set up. And we're going to go about every two hours, we're going to start again. And we're going to start at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And we're going to be in the chapel, and we're going to start with just a time of prayer and praise and we're going to sing, and we're going to begin to, we're going to read some scriptures about prayer, and then every two hours we'll have a slot of time, and during those slots of time you can come. We'll start every two-hour session with a little instruction. There's a wonderful DVD on prayer, and we're going to pray uh, one of the messages by Jim Cimbala on prayer, and hopefully that's just stir the pot um, get the fire going, throw a little kiln on the fire, throw a little firewood on there, and, and then it's going to stir our hearts, and then for the rest of the time, uh, you can pray. You, no one has to come for two hours, but no one has to stay just two hours. You can go 24 hours if you want to. You can come there and stay all night. You can come for 10 minutes. You can just, if you can just find a way to get yourself there. Some of you may not be able to. I understand that. But I just would encourage you right now to say, Lord God, is there some way I can get there so I can be part of this gathering? Just just some way I can get there for part of it. I don't know. Maybe you can. If not, then then you can pray where you are. Just say, well, I can't get there because I'm going to be out of town. Well, Jesus travels very well. Okay, so you just join us. But I do pray for something special to happen. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for decisions that are being made by the Supreme Court. We need to pray for people who love God to be bold and strong. We need to pray for our schools. We need to pray for repentance. You need to pray for repentance. We need, you need to part of that night. You're just going to come there and say, Lord God, here's a list of things I've done, and I just want to just make you a list. Lord, here's a list of people I want to pray for that night. Write your list down. Here's some sins I've committed, or here's something I'm struggling with, oh God. And you just write it down, and you write down, and you come, and you get on your face before God. There's someone that needs to be saved. You plead with them that night. There's someone that's in a trial. You cry out to them. Them. There's a health situation. There's something going on in your life, and you just can't seem to kick it, and it's just kicking you. And you're like, Lord God, I can't break this habit or overcome this sin. You come, and you seek the face of God, and you come, and we'll do a little bit of time corporately, but there'll be time privately. No one's going to force you to say anything out loud to anybody. You come, and you meet with Jesus. You're going to benefit from hearing someone else pray at some of the times. You're going to benefit from hearing the scriptures about prayer being read. You're going to benefit with times to just simply praise God, you're going to benefit because you're going to be with the people of God seeking the throne of grace. That's what we're going to do. Oh God, will you prepare our hearts and will you come? Right now, oh God, I just pray, maybe there's someone right here right now that their prayers just simply say, Lord, I want, I want you in my life. And if you're here today and you need Jesus Christ in your life and all of this resonates with you and just say, Lord Jesus, I just realized I need you. I've been religious. I've been saying prayers, but I haven't really been praying. I've been doing church, but I haven't really been meeting with Jesus. Oh God, 
Speak to every heart. Speak to us now. Work in us. Work in our church. We love you, and we pray that you would be present and lead us, God, from right now all the way into our time of prayer. I know Satan's going to distract us, give us many things to do, but as many people as possible, oh God, will you let us move towards you in our church, toward more prayer, more power, more faith, more miracles, more testimonies. Oh God, the troubler of Israel is not your people. The trouble of Israel, the troubler of America is Satan. And we come in the name of Jesus to do holy war, holy war. Help us, God. Hear our prayers and meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you, will you stand with us? And if you're a college student or a young adult and you want to head to the, your class, grow class, go ahead and feel free to go, but we're going to continue and sing.